Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation out there. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And as always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we got a great episode in store for you guys here today on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, and also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. And we are back. We only did one episode since last Thursday because I was on my nice weekend getaway last week, so I'm happy to be back on our regularly scheduled programming, both today from 12 to 1.30 and tomorrow, at same time, same place. Again, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, make sure you download the Android app or WWSRN on iOS. That is the best place to listen and watch live. Of course, we're going to be available to you on your favorite streaming app after the show is over as well. Today is a normal scheduled program, even though there's no Thursday night football. We have our early week six matchups that we have to talk about. And before we go ahead and dive into that, we did have yet again some more news this morning that we're going to have to prepare for. I feel like I want to be one of those old-time radio show segments every week that we're going to have to have on Thursday. This week in the COVID-19 cases, we have the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, now they suddenly they had a defensive tackle who was uh, tested positive yesterday. Now the talk was that there was four more positives. There seems to be conflicting reports on that, whether it was four more positives or it was just one more positive that had to do with a coaching staff. Uh, that's why they decided to go virtual today out of a precaution, which is good because they're actually one of the few teams so far that have had positive tests that have actually been a proactive approach after the fact, not trying to see what they can get away with, see what they can push the envelope with. They just shut it down. The hope is that they will not have any more positives and they will actually be able to be back in the facility practicing tomorrow. And there's a lot of fantasy implications when you're talking about the Falcons and the Minnesota Vikings in that matchup. So we'll get into those details when we actually go to preview that game, because that game will be uh, part of today's preview as part of the early Sunday games. Now, on the flip side of that, we had some other news with Le'Veon Bell. I haven't been able to talk to you guys. I haven't been able to talk to you guys about this situation yet because we recorded the show on Tuesday afternoon with the waiver, the waiver wire recap show or the waiver wire report show, I should say. And we didn't get a chance to talk about Le'Veon Bell because he didn't get cut till later on uh, that night. So 
The report right now, the news going around right now is that he's choosing between three teams, the Miami Dolphins, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Buffalo Bills. Now, what team he should choose for his career and his path, we could talk about that, but that's not what the focus of this show really truly is. It's the fantasy football show. And look, my advice to you guys is, first of all, definitely hold on to Le'Veon Bell, see what kind of situation he winds up in. But I have to think, for all the fantasy football owners out there, the best place for him to wind up at that would create the least amount of fantasy football ripples would be the Miami Dolphins. Because there's not, there's nobody who's really depending on Miles Gaskin. He was a nice pickup, a guy that you're playing on using for, you know, bi-week plugins, maybe some injury plugins, just to kind of give you a depth piece. So if Le'Veon Bell goes there, you're not losing a lot if you suddenly have to now drop Miles Gaskin. And if you had Le'Veon Bell, that's probably the best situation that he could go to because that's the only situation, I think, of those three that he could still possibly get a bell cow type workload. Remember, for some reason, they refused to use Matt Breida on a consistent basis. Jordan Howard, uh, Jordan Howard could very well get cut if they were to sign Le'Veon Bell with the non-usage that he has been. And being that Le'Veon Bell is not somebody to be taking out on the goal line, I think Jordan Howard might not serve a purpose anymore for that team. Um, and of course, you would drop Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin isn't somebody that demands touches, demands carries on any specific team out there. So that's the only place that he could go that I think he could still have a bell cow workload. Technically speaking, after being the San Francisco 49ers last week, their record would put them in place to at least still be competing for that extra wild card spot. Remember, there is an extra wild card spot this year. So there are some other teams that may have a chance at the end that wouldn't normally, but they're not really a contending team at the end of the day. So I don't, I don't know if they're really the best choice. I don't know if they're the favorite for Le'Veon Bell. I think the favorite would have to be the Kansas City Chiefs, no? Talking about a team that has the best chance to win. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, while I don't think it's completely 100% his fault, the knock on him has been he's not been able to execute in the red zone, and they had to kind of had to go back to Patrick Mahomes lining up in shotgun when they get inside the five-yard line again. That's not something they really want to be able to they want to do anymore. They want to be able to run that football in and take some of the pressure off. So Le'Veon Bell, I think he could fit there. He would be, to me, he would probably be in a 60-40 timeshare there with CEH most likely across the board. 60 in favor of CEH, of course, 40% in favor of Le'Veon Bell. And you know what? Frankly, if Le'Veon Bell is getting the goal line touches and he's in a 60-40 split on the Kansas City Chiefs, he would probably still have flex appeal for your teams moving forward. It's not going to be what you want it to be. It's not going to be the, the volume heavy that you drafted Le'Veon to be, to be that, you know, that high-end RB3, low-end RB2. It's what you wanted him to be. But it would still be a situation where he could be valuable. It would just have to be efficient on touches and then high-scoring opportunities, which he would have. So he would still be a flex consideration if he decides to go with the Chiefs. Now, if he goes with the Buffalo Bills... Again, you know, Devin Singletary is a okay back. He's kind of, he's a step up from Miles Gaskin, definitely. But he's more of a high-end RB3, more of a flex play, more of a buy-in fill-in. But I did like, other than this past Tuesday game, I did like the direction Devin Singletary seemed to be trending, which was he was looking pretty explosive. He was taking on the bell cow workload because Zach Moss has been out the past few weeks with a toe injury, even though it always seems like he's about to come back and be active. And then all of a sudden he's inactive at the last moment. Uh, so, but he didn't have a great game on Tuesday. So I don't know what that was all about. He didn't look like himself on Tuesday. The whole Bills team, though, offensively looked a little bit off with the exception of Stephon Diggs in that game, though. So I don't know if it had more to do with that. But if he goes to the Buffalo Bills, that is a situation where, again, it could be similar to the Miami Dolphins where he could 
get the bell cow workload. Now, I don't think it would totally be that. Like maybe it would be a 55 to 60% work share for Le'Veon Bell. And then, you know, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss get worked in about 40% of the time between the two of them, whatever the case that might be. Uh, so he still wouldn't see crazy volume. He's not going to see the volume that he was going to see anywhere that he was going to see on the Jets. That's just not going to happen. But the Bills could be that sweet middle spot. You know, the whole Goldilocks. Oh, this bowl of porridge is too hot. This bowl of porridge is too cold. This bowl of porridge is just right. And that would be the Buffalo Bills because they are in position to compete. They have a situation where he could be the starting running back, possibly. It still wouldn't be a ton of workload, I think. It wouldn't be what he's maybe looking for. It wouldn't be 70% to 80% of the work share, which I think is what he really truly wants at the end of the day. But if he wants to be on a team that's going to give him an opportunity to look decent, it's going to have to be the Bills or the Chiefs because that Miami Dolphins offensive line is still not very good. And at the end of the day, they're not going to be a contending team. So I think the Bills might make the most sense but as a Devin Singletary owner in some places, I'd rather see him go to Miami Dolphins, but that might make the most sense and it would give him some value uh, as well. Um, I'm having a little technical difficulties here while we get through this uh, thing, had a light fall off on me. But uh, what we're going to do is gonna take a quick break because I, I can get this uh, worked out real fast and then we'll be back on the other side for you guys in just a moment. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And as always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We are talking about the week five, week six, excuse me, early matchup previews. We we're just talking about Le'Veon Bell, his de- possible destinations, and what his fantasy value is going to be. And we just got done with the technical issue with the lights, so we are back on track with what we were talking about. So that wraps up the talk anyway for Le'Veon Bell. Remember, he's he would go back to being an RB2 if he signs with the Dolphins. He'd probably be a low-end RB2 if he signs with the Bills. He would be a flex play if he signs with the Chiefs. But I think the Bills for Le'Veon Bell of those three options probably make the most sense, probably give him the best of both worlds of what he is reportedly looking for, which is playing time and a chance uh, to contend and go on late into the season. So now that we talked about that, we talked about the COVID news coming out of the Atlanta Falcons. Right now, that schedule is that game is scheduled to be as played on Sunday. Uh, obviously, that's something that could come out in the next five minutes while we're recording on the show and change or tomorrow. So make sure you're following us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow, especially on Twitter. Have those notifications up because we get those player news notifications out to you constantly and keep you updated with the news. So let's dive into our first game that we want to talk about in today's show, and that's the Houston Texans. That's the Tennessee Titans. Bill O'Brien gone. Houston Texans look like a brand new team, or at least they did for one week. We'll see if that continues. But here's what I like schematically that I do think will continue as we move forward here. And that is the different formation shakeups. Deshaun Watson was not in shotgun 24-7 during that game. He was actually behind center. He was actually with two tight end sets. They actually mixed it up. It's a big reason why Brandon Cooks actually was able to get involved into the game plan in the way that he hadn't yet to this point in the season, to the point where we had sent him down to flush town and all of a sudden revived him back up. We went to the dump and scooped him back up and put him back in our lineups or put him back on our rosters at the very least heading in from last week. 
Now, is he going to be eight catches, 160 yards and a touchdown? No, but most players aren't going to be that most of the time anyway. But will he be involved in the game plan as long as they continue to do what they were doing? Yes, because the big thing was they weren't playing three receivers all the time. It wasn't 11 personnel 24-7. They mix up the formations. Well, when they mix up the formations and they actually have someone, there's two receivers out there, then all of a sudden, Randall Cobb's not on the field as much anymore. And if Randall Cobb's not on the field as much anymore, that opens up the opportunities for Brandon Cooks. And doing that, being a team that could actually run the ball effectively and put that in the defense's mind, make them have to respect that and actually have to respect the play action pass, something Deshaun Watson really hasn't had in his arsenal that much under Bill O'Brien because no one ever believed Deshaun Watson was ever going to hand the ball off when Bill O'Brien was calling plays. You knew when the Texans were going to run the ball. You didn't have to respect the play action pass. You knew when it was going to come. All of a sudden, they mixed it up. Those are the schematic differences between when Bill O'Brien's calling plays and what we saw last week that I do expect to continue. That means David Johnson, I think his value is a little bit on the rise where he can remain as a solid RB2 who's, I, I do believe, is going to start getting in the end zone sooner rather than later to at least some degree. I know Chrome Romeo Cornelli came out earlier this week and he talked a little bit about Duke Johnson getting a little bit more involved. How many times have we heard that from a head coach? When it comes to Duke Johnson getting more involved in the game plan, I think we've heard that every single year, every single coaching change that Duke Johnson has had throughout his entire career. I'll believe it when I see it. And even if he does get a little bit more involved, it's still not going to come to the expense of David Johnson not averaging 15 to 18 touches a game. Okay, so you don't have to worry about it from that aspect. In fact, in this matchup, because the Tennessee Titans outside of the Tuesday game against Devin Singletary having such a great matchup for running backs, David Johnson comes in as a number 10 running back in half point PPR for us this week. That's right. Top 10 running back, that number 10 spot right there, finishing as an RB1 for this week. Now, there's multiple reasons why he finishes that high. One is because of the matchup, the change in schematics that I do like out of Houston, and Three, I guess, because technically the schematic changes would be two. So three is we have four teams on by. We have four teams on by. We have other running backs injured. And all of a sudden you get left looking at the field like, oh, there's not a lot left going into this week. And that's a big reason why he winds up number 10 too. And an important thing for us to note, because you're going to have to make a lot of adjustments. You're going to have to play guys that you wouldn't normally want to play because this is the first heavy by week, especially from a fantasy standpoint, because you know you had a lot of good teams like Seattle, uh, New Orleans, uh, uh, two more other teams. I can't think of the Raiders, and I'm drawing a blank on the last team. But there's four teams on by this week. That is the issue. That's why David Johnson comes in at number ten. So you're going to have to make moves here, and certain guys are going to have more value than they normally would. Deshaun Watson's our QB six on the week. This, again, it's a great matchup. Tennessee's defense has not been very good. They Like I said, again, they played well on Tuesday, but the circumstances around that entire game are a little bit strange. So I'm more leaning towards the size of flushing down the toilet what we saw on Tuesday than I am ready to buy in that the Tennessee Titans have turned a corner uh, defensively. They're still pretty banged up. Watson, I think, will continue to play better with these new schematics. And that's why I think he's going to be able to finish in the top six. And he's going to be able to finish in the top six pretty consistently the rest of the way. Wolf Fuller comes in. You're going to play him. He's a wide receiver too. 
wide, I have him as a wide receiver 17 overall for the week. Of course, he always has that upside to be able to get that one big play. The big thing, like we talked about leading off to this matchup is Brandon Cooks. I got him in wide receiver 32. So I have him as a wide receiver three, a guy you can consider in the flex play in this matchup with these teams on by. I'd like Brandon Cooks a lot if they continue with the schematics. So this game is going to be big. We want to see it. Are you going to continue to do what you built upon last week, the first week away from Bill O'Brien? Are you going to be more fundamentally sound? Are you going to be a little bit more unpredictable with your coaching formations? Are you going to be a little bit more predictable in your play calling off of those different formations? All things we want to see continue, but all things I believe will continue moving forward. The only thing we have to talk about as far as injury goes is Atkins. He's still working his way out of concussion protocol. Uh, He was limited in practice yesterday. He should become available. The only reason that's important of note is because against the Tennessee Titans, with there being not a lot of options, Atkins is on the lower end of streaming tight ends for us as we coming in at tight end 18 and half point PPR leagues. Darren Fells didn't get a lot of volume last week. But you did see Darren Fells wind up with a big touchdown. Jory uh, Atkins could actually wind up being in a similar situation. When he comes back, he is a starter. He They do have a bit of a rapport there. He is somebody who's looking at, you know, five to six targets. And that right now is probably good enough. You, you can get a tight end with a pulse at the moment. If you don't have one of the top five guys, you kind of have to take them under consideration. So he's not my top streaming tight end by any stretch of the means, but he is somebody who's in that range, depending on what's available to you. Now we flip over, we go to the Tennessee Titans side of the ball. Derrick Henry, not that you weren't going to start him anyway, but just an FYI, he is my number one running back heading into this week. Obviously, Houston hasn't been able to stop the run very well. Uh, the, fir- the first time they did a decent job, I guess, was James Robinson, but that had more to do with the game script and the fact that Houston got up by a few scores than it did with their defense actually locking in on James Robinson and shutting him down. So Derrick Henry... We saw what he could do against the Buffalo Bills uh, on Tuesday night, even with little to no practice. Tennessee, believe it or not, even though it's going to be a shortened week for them, this is more game planning, more practicing leading up in this game than they ever got a chance to do going up against the Buffalo Bills for that one. So, yeah, I expect Derrick Henry to be coming out firing. They're giving him the ball more and more. The offensive line is a concern, but not when you're playing against a Houston Texans defensive front who can't stop the run against anybody, really. So, yeah, he's going to just an FYI. He is my number one running back heading into this week, especially with Alvin Kamara on by. AJ Brown, welcome back, big buddy. I love AJ Brown. So happy to see him get going. Seven catches, 82 yards, a touchdown on the week. He looked good. He looks like he's fully healthy back from that injury. The only thing of note was that in that game, you knew he was going to get fed the ball whether he was 100% healthy or not. Now, the good news is he looked like he was 100% healthy, but he knew he was going to get fed the ball because both Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis were on the COVID-19 reserve list. Well, Adam Humphreys has been activated, so it looks like he's going to be available heading into this matchup against Houston Texans. Have not heard anything to this point about Corey Davis and what his availability might look like. But I, what I can tell you is that he has not been activated yet. So there is a chance that Corey Davis may not be able to suit up in this game. So that would still leave enough target share on the table for an A.J. Brown. And more importantly right now for Janu Smith, because he is a guy who was drafted late, who can absolutely be a game changer for you and has been a top five tight end, score two more touchdowns again on Tuesday. We have him at tight end four heading into this week. So Adam Humphreys is not enough to take away the target share to limit my ceiling for an A.J. Brown or a Janu Smith in the passing game. 
Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, Janu Smith, all must starts heading into this matchup. And Ryan Tannehill, of course, is going to be a top 10 quarterback for us this week. He comes in at QB nine, one of our top streamers on the week, hands down. I got to hit the breaking news drop real quick. Breaking news. OBJ was just sent home with an illness, according to head coach Kevin Stefanski. Now, usually when the NFL so far this season has used the term illness when it comes to their players, it's not normally COVID related. It's usually a different type of illness and they're taking precautions. When these guys get sick with anything, they want to just go ahead and send them home just out of precaution, just in case it is COVID or just in case somebody winds up with COVID, you don't want to compact whatever it is they do have at the moment. So OBJ sent home today because he came down with an illness. So that is something we are going to have to watch uh, moving forward. So just to kind of give you guys an FYI there. All right. So we talked about the Tennessee Titans. We talked about the Houston Texans and what their what their fantasy values are. Let's move on now to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to jump on the Cincinnati Bengals side real fast. Joe Mixon, I know he didn't have a great game against Baltimore, but you have to take solace in the fact that he had 30 touches in that game, 24 carries, six receptions. You also have to take solace in the fact that Giovanni Bernard was not on the field very much in that game. Now we find out now that he's actually questionable and only limited in practice. So I don't know if that was part of it, but over the past couple of weeks, Giovanni Bernard has been playing less and less, and they've been looking to Joe Mixon to be the featured guy that we thought they were going to come out the season and let him be to begin with. And it looks like they're finally starting to take that path. And at least it's happening earlier than it did last year, where it didn't happen until week nine. He's getting that volume now. So as long as he's getting that volume, he's going to have a floor for you. Obviously Joe Mixon's never a guy that you can have in your bench. And even though on paper against the Indianapolis Colts, this looks like a tough matchup heading into the week. It does not look like as of right now that we really expect Darius Leonard to play this week either. And if Darius Leonard misses again this week, I feel pretty good about what Joe Mixon can at least do in the passing game now that Gina by Bernard is not playing nearly as much. So that goes a long way in your expectations for your ceiling for Joe Mixon. He's going to have an easier time than he normally would against this Colts defense, whether it's rushing the football or receiving the football. So I think you can have a little bit more of a ceiling expectation with Joe Mixon than I, we were planning on if Darius Leonard can't in fact play on Sunday, which is the direction that it is leaning towards as of this moment because of the concussion issues that he's just had in his past. They're going to probably play it pretty cautiously with him throughout the week. So he comes in. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts, it's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. At RB11 for us in half-point PPR leagues, 
again, not that you're going to bench him, but I think it should give you some comfort in the ceiling that you can expect out of him heading into this matchup. Outside of that, there's not too many Bengals that I definitely feel the need to play. You can play Tyler Boyd. He comes in as a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three based off of volume in this game. But this is a Colts defense that has been playing very well, even with some injuries in that secondary. Joe Burrow is not a streaming option for us this week. He'll get back on track. If you have Joe Burrow, I would not drop him unless you absolutely have to drop a quarterback for a quarterback. If you have to do that, then I understand. But if you have an extra bench spot where you can keep Joe Burrow, wait for those, wait for the schedule to turn, wait for those positive matchups to come back again, I would do that because he's still with the volume, with the way he has played, a guy that is going to hover around that top 12 mark more weeks than not. But this isn't going to be one of them. So make your decisions based on what your roster construction is. But Joe Burrow is not a play for us this week. He comes in a QB 25, in fact. That's it. T. Higgins, I'm not going to play him this matchup. He is officially ahead of A.J. Green for us on the rest of the season unless something drastically changes or there's an injury of some sort. A.J. Green didn't practice yesterday. He is expected to practice today. So if he does practice today, he should be expected to play on Sunday. But he's irrelevant when it comes to fantasy football right now until proven otherwise. I don't know what's going on with him. Now, apparently this hamstring issue has been something that has been lingering since training camp. I don't know if that has something to do with him not looking nearly as explosive, especially over the past couple of weeks. But T. Higgins is out routing him, out snapping him, and just outplaying him right now. And being that T. Higgins is the future, and A.J. Green was only coming back for this year to begin with, I don't see why the Cincinnati Bengals, who are building towards the future, are developing for the future, would turn the reins back over to A.J. Green with T. Higgins performing well right now. So T. Higgins is the guy for the rest of the way. Not really a matchup I'm looking to play him. He is a wide receiver four. Hopefully you have better options. The only guy I'm looking to play would be Tyler Boyd at the wide receiver two, three mark. Drew Samples, not in the streaming territory. Uh, That one game that we saw when Joe Burrow threw the ball 61 times and he targeted the tight end position just as a unit 15 times, it doesn't look like that has been the case since. Um, I do think that Drew Sample is somebody who could work himself back into tight end streaming territory. At some point, we see a couple of games of consistent consistent volume, but I don't know when we're going to see that. And there's so many options in the tight end streaming territory because they're all bad then I don't know when you're going to feel comfortable doing that either. You just, just keep in mind, this week, Drew Sample, you're out. If you were somebody that you were, you were still contemplating whether Drew Sample should be fantasy relevant to you right now. Right now, he's not. Plain and simple. So you flip over the Colts side of the ball. Everyone's waiting for Jonathan Taylor to take over. Now, some people have talked about how he doesn't look special to them. My big thing is that that offensive line is not the offensive line that we all expected to be. They are not blocking the way we expected them to. They are not dominating the way that we expected them to. Coming into the season, a lot of people had the Colts at least as a top three in the NFL for their offensive line unit, if not the best offensive line unit in the NFL. Remember, that was one of the big reasons everybody was so excited about Jonathan Taylor, his physicality, his speed, and particularly that offense. Now, on top of their offensive line not blocking as well, That offense as a schematics is not playing the way that I think they wanted to or thought they would have to. And that comes down to Philip Rivers is done. Now I've talked about that several times. I'm not going to belabor that point too much, but Philip Rivers being done does play into what the ground game is able to do and what they're able to do schematically. Because right now teams defensively can just squeeze, can just squeeze the Colts. You have no threat of them actually being able to connect on a deep ball with T.Y. Hilton right now on the outside. 
you have no threat of explosive plays out of this team from anywhere at the moment. So you can just squeeze them. That means more guys in the box for an offensive line that is underachieving. And then on top of it, you add in the fact that Frank Reich is doing Frank Reich things and rotating guys for absolutely no reason at all. I get Naeem Hines. I get that you have a safety blanket out there for Philip Rivers. I understand that at this point in his career, you have to have that. Okay. Why is Jordan Wilkins involved in this rotation at all? Someone has to explain that to me. Why is Jordan Wilkins, who every time has been given an opportunity over his young three-year career, I believe it is now, has never produced, never been efficient. Every offseason, I feel like we were talking about Jordan Wilkins being on the roster bubble as whether or not he's even going to get cut coming out of training camp. And yet I have to sit here and watch Jordan Wilkins average eight to nine carries a game. For what purpose? What does it do? All you're doing is preventing Jonathan Taylor from actually getting into a rhythm and actually starting to dominate. Jonathan Taylor needs to be looked at as a Derrick Henry type, a Michael Turner type back in the day, a Mark Ingram type. These are guys, when you feed them enough carries, they wear down the opposing team come that fourth quarter, come that second half. That is what he's built to do. I think some people got lost in the surprising 40 that he ran this past uh, year. But that's not what he did in Wisconsin. That's not the type of running back he is. He is somebody who wears you down. Well, guess what? He can't wear you down on 15 to 16 carries a game. He needs 20. I don't know if that's something they're going to do when they get closer to the postseason. But for right now, if Jordan Wilk is going to continue to see eight to nine carries and you also have to deal with Naeem Hines stealing all the passing down work, well, Jonathan Taylor, his ceiling winds up getting limited. So that's what everybody's waiting for. Having said all that, that's, that's my prognosis when you're looking at Jonathan Taylor down the road. For this game against Cincinnati Bengals, he could get 16 to 18 carries and still put up a possible top 12 performance. Coming into this game, we have him at number eight. So we do think Jonathan Taylor, because of this matchup, will be able to give you an RB1 performance, will be able to give you a top 10 performance this week. That's the good news, and that's with the unfortunate, idiotic, limited work share that he's been receiving in that offense so far because the great thing is Cincinnati Bengals especially with some of the injuries that they have on that defensive line have nothing to stop the run and if there was a game to help that underachieving offensive line get right this is the game that they could do it so we like Jonathan Taylor a lot Jonathan Taylor is the only Colts must play though which is really sad when you're looking at them playing against Cincinnati Bengals T.Y. Hilton Comes in at wide receiver 37. That's the highest I've had him all season. And that has more to do with the amount of teams on by than it does with anything else. Because he's not a factor and I would not be playing him unless I absolutely have to. In fact, at this point, we've sent him down to Flushtown a couple weeks ago. I wouldn't even have him rostered if you have him rostered out there. If there's other things you can pick up of more value. Naeem Hines comes in at RB32, so technically he will be somebody who enters that flex territory, uh, especially when you're talking about half-point, full-point PPR leagues. The only issue that I have with Naeem Hines is that this is a game that they could easily just run the ball, play defense, and win the ball game. So I don't know if this is a game script, at least not going into the game anyway, for a Naeem Hines in this one. So again, hopefully you have better options, but somebody who can fall into that lower end territory, flex territory, if you absolutely need him to be, because you might not have better options with the injuries and the amount of teams on by this week. 
So we move on to that Atlanta game, to the Minnesota game, to the possible, the, the new week six edition of a possible COVID postponement. We'll see what happens. Hopefully not. There does seem to be more hope, more of a silver lining uh, surrounding this set of circumstances of COVID-19 positive testing than there has in the other matchups in the past couple of weeks. So that's the good news, I guess. Um the Atlanta Falcons, if they can return to practice tomorrow, he'll they they should be fine for this game. So we're just going to look at this as of right now because that's that's what the facts are as of right now that this game is going to be played as scheduled one o'clock on Sunday. So let's look at the fantasy value from that standpoint. First and foremost, Julio Jones, will he won't he play? I tend to think that he probably will miss one more week. This hamstring issue has not been going away for him. It's been it's been lingering on this entire season so far he missed last week if he were to miss another week and they were really to give him a chance to get right he could actually have a chance to come back 100 healthy at some point this season if they keep running him out there then it's just going to continue to linger on and they just fired dan quinn i get that part they're going to be coming out there with hopes that they can finally get their first win of the season against the minnesota vikings i understand that there's going to be some extra pressure there to play some extra pressure there to get right only if he's actually at least 90% healthy should they be playing him. He did not practice yesterday, obviously because of the issues that they've had with the COVID testing and the facilities being shut down. He's not going to be practicing today outside of a virtual thing that they're all going to be doing. So the question is going to be, if they can get back into the facility tomorrow, what can he do in practice tomorrow? If he doesn't practice again tomorrow, I would suspect that Julio Jones would not play yet again. We did rank him as if he will play and with the idea. And this, obviously, my rankings will update, and they always do up until Sunday morning, especially as we get new injury news, new information. That's just naturally going to happen. They are available to you on bellyupfantasysports.com, and I have them for standard and half-point and full-point PPR leagues. We did rank Julio Jones as if he would play and as if he would be closer to 100% than not after missing last week in you know, just, just for now, this might, this might update later on, just a cat, just a disclaimer there. But if Julio Jones is able to play because of this matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, because on paper, it should be a shootout, especially if Julio is playing, we have that wide receiver four. not that you weren't going to bench him if he doesn't play, but just to give you an idea, we do expect him to give you wide receiver one production when he comes back. The big thing for me about Julio Jones is that assuming he's 75 to 90% when he comes back on Sunday is Matt Ryan desperately needs Julio Jones to come back in the lineup because it doesn't really seem to matter what the matchup is. If Julio Jones does not play, Matt Ryan cannot have a good game. I don't know why that has to be the case when you have good weapons like Calvin Ridley and you have Hayden Hurst and you have Todd Gurley who actually had a really good game last week and you should have had play action pass available to you. I don't know what the issue is, but when Julio Jones does not play the entire game, Matt Ryan is not a guy who performs well. And that's something to kind of keep in mind when you're heading into this matchup, because we have Matt Ryan ranked at QB 12. But again, that's what the idea that Julio is going to play. If Julio does not play, not only do you have to take Julio out of your lineups, but Matt Ryan would fall out of the top 12 quarterbacks for us this week, meaning that you're going to have a better option to stream than to have to sit there and play Matt Ryan. I wouldn't play him, even though on paper, this is a great matchup. It could still be a shootout game. I will not play Matt Ryan anymore if Julio Jones is not active heading into this matchup. That's, that's pretty much what we had to learn over the past couple of weeks, unfortunately. And I know there's a lot of other talk about is this, you know, is Matt Ryan done after this? Is everybody ready to move on in Atlanta? 
first of all, none of that's neither here nor there as far as this season is concerned. They're not going to move on from this year because they owe him too much money. And there's a pretty good chance not going to be able to move on him, move on from him next year because of the guaranteed money that he's that he's under under the table to get at the moment, too. So we're not worried about that aspect. Fantasy football standpoint, Julio plays. You can play Matt Ryan's top 12 quarterback. If he doesn't, then he can't. Plain and simple. Todd Gurley comes in, number six running back. He's been an RB1. He went over 100 yards for the first time in what felt like forever last week. He actually looked more explosive in that game than I've seen him in a long time. And he's scoring touchdowns, I think, every single week except for one so far. Minnesota's not a defense that's been able to stop the run. There's no reason to think Todd Gurley won't get in the end zone again. And with four teams on by, Todd Gurley comes in as an RB1 for us this week. Plain and simple. And I don't think anybody can argue with that at this point. The guy is right there with Dalvin Cook as far as touchdowns for running backs so far this year. And with Dalvin Cook probably not playing, we're going to talk about that in a second when we get to the Minnesota side of this of this game. There's a good chance Todd Gurley is going to surpass him. Outside of Julio Jones, obviously you're playing Calvin Ridley. He's our number three receiver with or without Julio coming into this matchup. And he, luckily, thankfully, he finally had a good game. So he was able to give us confidence like, okay, if there's no Julio in the lineup, you can still have a good game. Because the week before, you goosed everybody, which was which definitely a shame. But Calvin Ridley, wide receiver one. Hayden Hurst. Very difficult. Very difficult to get a feel on Hayden Hurst. On one hand, he's getting the volume that you're looking for out of a streaming tight end. On the other hand, he's not involved in the red zone the way you thought he would be in a Matt Ryan, Atlanta-led offense using utilizing the tight end. So that's kind of the dilemma that you have to go with. We have him at tight end 12, which makes him a top-end streaming option considering what tight end options you're even going to have out there. That's with or without Julio. Is it going to be pretty? No. Are you going to be praying he falls in the end zone? Yes. But tell me how that's different than any other tight end that's not in the top six. And that's kind of what it boils down to at the end of the day. So Hayden Hurst is somebody that you can stream. You can play him as a low-end tight end one but it's just going to be as ugly as any of the other streaming options out there, or you're taking just as much of a chance, I should say, as any of the other streaming options out there as well. So let's flip it over. Let's go to the Minnesota Vikings side of the ball. As of right now, we don't have Dalvin Cook playing this game. I would just be surprised, given that they had the bye week in week seven, given that it's a groin issue, given that it's Dalvin Cook and his injury history, I have a hard time believing that they're just not going to hand the ball off to Alexander Madison, who should have a very good game against Atlanta. They don't necessarily need Dalvin Cook to win this particular game because Alexander Madison should be able to fill in quite well, and he has done that in the past. So we would expect Dalvin Cook to miss this game. And in fact, I just got a news alert saying that he did not practice again today, Cook that is. So that would trend him in the direction of he's not going to play on Sunday. So as long as that is the case, Alexander Madison, he's going to be our RB3 on the week. I don't think it's any surprise that he would be an RB1 in anybody's rankings coming into this matchup, but he is an elite RB3. This is why I talked about if you weren't a Dalvin Cook owner and you had an opportunity to pick up Alexander Madison, do it because it's very rare to get to get pick up somebody off the waiver wire who is in line for the potential to give you a top five running back performance, even if it winds up being for one week. Remember, you can always turn around and trade him back to the Dalvin Cook owner because they're probably going to want him if they weren't able to get a hold of him to then protect themselves moving forward. So there's a lot of different angles you can attack that from a fantasy perspective and that you guys should be taking advantage of. Hopefully, if you are the Dalvin Cook owner, you already have Alexander Madison, and therefore you don't care heading into this week. You know you got a top three running back, whether it's Cook or whether it's Madison playing in this matchup. So as of right now, we do not expect Dalvin Cook to play. 
just to kind of give you guys an idea there. Now, as far as the rest of the Minnesota Vikings go, Kirk Cousins has to be considered a top 10 quarterback. I don't feel good about this. I have him at QB8. It feels a little gross. It feels a little nerve-wracking because I really want to make sure I nail those top 10 at every position. I mean, I want to nail all my rankings, of course, but especially those top 10 positions, I want to be able to make sure I'm nailing those or at least putting guys on the right track. And what I'm telling you is that Kirk Cousins is going to be one of the top streaming options to go after this particular week. Now, the matchup makes sense, right? It's Atlanta. Every quarterback has played great against Atlanta, number one. And then you have, you know, Adam Thielen, who's playing great. Justin Jefferson, who's coming on strong as of late. Even without Dalvin Cook, Alex and Madison should play very well. Everything is kind of in place. And if Julio does play or if the Atlanta offense finally gets a pulse again, as far as her passing attack goes, this could be a shootout game. So everything on paper says Kirk Cousins should at least, if nothing else, have a safe floor for you heading into this matchup. And there should be a ceiling. There should be a ceiling. I don't feel great about it. It's going to make me a little queasy. But the facts are the facts. I, when I look at my algorithms for my rankings, it spits out Kirk Cousins at number eight. And it's hard to disagree with that in the argument as well, other than it's just it's Kirk Cousins. And he's another one of those guys, kind of like a Derek Carr, when whenever you actually go to depend on him, he seems to find a way to just bottom out on you. I think this Atlanta defense, though, at the end of the day, is so bad and even Kirk Cousins can't bottom out on you in this matchup. So that's why he comes in the top 10. Ugh, makes me feel a little gross, though, I'm, I have to admit. Adam Thielen, obviously, playing him. He's our wide receiver, too, on the week. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, 22. We have him as a low-end wide receiver, too. He is going to have uh, a bigger upside in this game, obviously, because of the matchup. But also, because he was quiet last week, I think there is going to be a little bit more of an emphasis to get him back going because they want to keep Justin Jefferson rolling. They want to keep that second option to Adam Thielen on fire and confident because when they go to play teams that actually have real defenses, they're going to look to take away Adam Thielen. They want to make sure Justin Jefferson is ready to step up in that role and consistently throughout the year as the Vikings start to turn around their season a little bit. So I would suspect that there will be an emphasis to get Jefferson involved after he wasn't that involved last week. I know there's been some talk about Irv Smith and is he becoming a streaming tight end? Not yet. We've only seen one game of it. Yes, it looks like he's overtaking Kyle Rudolph as far as who they're going to actually utilize as a pass catcher. But remember, this offense hasn't consistently used the tight end, no matter who it has been, since this regime, since Kubiak, Stefanski, since this system has taken over. So I'm not going to be jumping there to go see if I can pick up Irv Smith Jr. as a tight as a tight end streamer at least not twice see it for at least a couple of weeks in a row because the tight end position in general seems to have a tendency to just disappear in this offensive scheme so that takes us over now to the denver broncos to the new england patriots to the game that's been postponed and finally going to play this sunday Good news is it sounds like Cam Newton's going to play. He came back to practice today. He was asymptomatic the entire time. So all he had to do was test negative twice. I believe that seems to have happened. He is back at practice today. So Cam Newton will be available for you guys. And that's a big plus because Cam Newton is somebody who's been a top five quarterback when he's been playing most of the season so far. You get him against a banged up Denver Bronco defense, a team that doesn't have much offensive power to begin with. So I don't think there's going to be much pressure on Cam as far as getting passing statistics in this game. But we all know that's not what you're playing Cam Newton for to begin with. You're playing him because he's essentially the goal line back in this matchup. And coming off of COVID, coming off of a loss against Kansas City Chiefs, I think they'll allow him to be a little bit more aggressive 
uh, than they normally would, I think, heading into a game like this one, typically speaking. So Cam Newton, fire him up. We have him at QB5 for the week uh, this in this matchup. Outside of that, Damien Harris, we do have him as a low in RB2. He's a decent option. Again, a lot of banged up pieces there on the Denver Broncos side of the ball. And there's a good chance Patriots might just dominate time of possession, especially when we get into the second half. Because offensively, and we're going to talk about it in a second, I don't know what Denver is going to be able to do against the New England Patriots this particular week. So we do have Damien Harris coming in as a low in RB2, uh, as a RB22 total uh, for half point PPR leagues. The only other guy I'm looking at is James White. I do think they want to get a continued involvement for White moving forward, especially when they get in the postseason. They want to get him as one of their main pass catchers. They need him to become one of their main pass catchers as he's been coming back now off of his uh, hiatus from the fa- of his family tragedy that he had. So we have him as RB36. Again, hopefully you have better options. I think James White is somebody that I'm really only comfortable playing if I'm in a full-point PPR league. But again, game script in this one, I just don't expect Denver to be able to put up a lot of points. Therefore, I don't think there's going to be an emphasis, the need to use James White a lot in this game. I know for some reason Rex Burkhead is on everybody's mind as a possible flex territory. No, this is a game I could easily see Damian Harris getting 18 carries in this game and then just running out the clock. I'm not going to be playing Rex Burkhead. I'm not going to take that chance this week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Julian Edelman, wide receiver 27 for us. So that low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three territory, somebody that you can start, you can play. The one nice thing about Julian Edelman is they just don't have anybody else they consistently go to. Nikhil Harry is somebody that Cam does like, but he's not going to have the main matchup. It's Julian Edelman should have a big mismatch in the middle of that Denver Broncos secondary. He's still getting the majority of the volume He's just somebody who has a safe floor heading into this matchup. That's why he comes in at wide receiver 27. We're not playing Nikhil Harry this particular week. Again, I don't see the need why they're going to have to be that aggressive. And Nikhil Harry, to me, is a touchdown or bust type of play right now until he gets more involved in the offense as they move forward. What we're going to do now, though, we're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We have a lot more games to talk to, a lot more injury news, a lot more fantasy expectations out there for you guys. So stay tuned right after this. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, on your iOS apps, and also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. And we're talking about the early week six matchup previews. 
We've been streaming that along. We talked about the Le'Veon Bell news. We talked about what we expect as far as the COVID-19 news out of the Atlanta and Minnesota game. And now we're moving on to the Washington Football Club, to the New York Giants. I got to get on my soapbox a little bit when we talk about Washington right now. Why did you bench Dwayne Haskins? Why? As a Terry McLaurin owner and lover, please bring back Dwayne Haskins. If you are going to turn into a checkdown team, with anybody at quarterback that's not named Dwayne Haskins, Terry McLaurin screwed. Because one of the best things about his game is the ability to catch the deep ball. He's not a guy that you want to turn into just a possession receiver. He's not a DJ Moore. He can do those things to some degree, but one of his best aspects is going down the field. Now, part of that game, of course, was that the offensive line, no matter who was the quarterback, whether it was Kyle Allen or whether it was Alex Smith last week, barely had any time to even breathe against the Los Angeles Rams. I get it. They're not going to be under duress to that degree against the Giants this week because they don't have that type of pass rush. They don't have Aaron Donald. But why would you bench Dwayne Haskins? Arguably speaking, other than he didn't throw for a passing touchdown, he had his best game against the Baltimore Ravens. Why? Now, he's not at practice this week to keep saying because of an illness, which very much may be the case, but it doesn't matter. Illness or no illness, they went from having him be the starter. They didn't make him the backup. They made him the third string quarterback. And now there's rumors from inside the organization. I don't know if they're 100% true. These are just rumors that they actually want Alex Smith to be the starting quarterback to take over at some point this season. Look, the Alex Smith story is great. It's inspiring. It's inspiring for the NFL. It's inspiring for the fans. It's wonderful for Alex Smith and his family what he was able to accomplish. He doesn't belong starting on the field, period. Can we get that out of our minds right now? And what are you going to start a quarterback who is approaching the age of 40 who you're not even sure what he has right now? He just pulled off a miracle just to come back and be able to play football let alone actually expect him to produce on a team that is supposed to be developing for the future. This team isn't going to make the playoffs. I know the NFC East is in shambles, and you might be able to actually go 6-10 and 10 and possibly win this division right now with the way these guys are playing. I understand that, but they are not in position to make a run. That's not what they were built to do this year. They're built to rebuild. What are you doing? Wasting your time with bums like Kyle Allen, with old men like Alex Smith, I don't care what you think of Dwayne Haskins. You play him out there, see what you have. He hasn't even played a full 16 games in his career yet. And you move on next year if you really want to. But why are you wasting your time? Because now in the meantime, I have to watch Cap- Captain Checkdown A and Captain Checkdown B run this offense, and Terry McLaurin's not allowed to run 10 yards down the line of scrimmage anymore. Sorry, I had to get off that. I had to get that off my chest. I had, it's just, it's absolutely mind boggling what they're doing down in Washington. Scott Turner is probably one of the worst offensive coordinators, maybe one of the worst offensive play callers, maybe right next to Adam Gase at this point. Absolutely atrocious what just came out of him this past week. Despicable. Because now people are asking, well, like when it comes to Washington, it's Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. Those are the only two fantasy players that you're talking about. We're going to give Terry McLaurin the benefit of the doubt. We're going to get to give Washington a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because they're playing the Giants who do not have a pass rush. Terry McLaurin will probably see double-digit targets in this game. So he is going to come in as a wide receiver one for us this week. He's going to come in, in the top 10 because it's the matchup. People want to talk about Bradbury. Like, oh, he did such a great job on Amari Cooper. 
He was on Amari Cooper half the time, first of all. So it wasn't really all Bradbury. Second of all, Bradbury's been burned plenty of times this season so far. I mean, no one's been scared to play their wide receivers against the New York Giants. In fact, you look forward to it. So Terry McLaurin is going to come in the top 10, again, partly due to the bye weeks that we have this week and partly due to the wide receiver injuries that we also have on tap, even with the ones that aren't on bye. But I don't feel great about that. You have to play them, but I don't feel great about it because I don't know what you're going to get out of Scott Turner, what you're going to get out of Kyle Allen, who's a scrub. Tony Gibson, as long as they don't run him up the middle, he should have a good game. As long as J.D. McKissick doesn't have to get eight targets for absolutely no reason whatsoever, he should have a good game. The Giants are a matchup that aren't very good, so it doesn't really matter. But you can't run up the middle against them. They do have good, two good defensive tackles. And J.D. McKissick can't be going for seven, eight targets. Again, know who you are. You are not competing for this season, so stop acting like it. You want to see what you have out of Gibson? You want to see what you have out of McLaurin? You want to see what you have at the quarterback position? Then play the guys for the future and then move on next year or do what you got to do next year. You're not playing for this year. So stop rolling out J.D. McKissick for absolutely no reason. Stop rolling out Kyle Allen. Stop trying to talk about how we can get Alex Smith as our starting quarterback. It's, it's insane to me. Because from a fantasy football standpoint, you're t- playing Terry McLaurin. We're going to make him top 10 because of the matchup and because of the situation heading into this week. Antonio Gibson is our RB18 and a half point PPR league. Our hope is that he's going to get at least five to six targets, giving him that floor. And against the Giants, with his big play cape making ability, he will have a chance to make a big play and take one to the house. So he comes in an RB18 for us this week. You can play him. But I'm going to have my eyes on Scott Turner and Kyle Allen very closely in this game. Because if they can't get it done against the Giants this week, you may have to bail on Gibson and McLaurin if they continue to head down the current course that they are right now. That's why I'm concerned. So let's move on to the Giants side of the ball. Where... You can make the argument just as bad, but to be expected when you hire Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones as your quarterback. What do you do from a fantasy perspective? Well, Darius Slayton comes in, wide receiver 18 for us. He's a wide receiver too. Sterling Shepard still not expected to play this week. Uh, So again, Darius Slayton should be looking at a healthy target share, should be looking at a decent floor and yet another plus matchup. He went over 100 yards last week with his volume. He should be in line, a position where he could possibly do it this week. The one thing about the Giants that has surprised me to some degree, the one thing about Daniel Jones that has surprised me to some degree is that last year he at least took shots down the field Darius Lee. He wasn't afraid to get aggressive. He still wasn't very good. He wasn't always very accurate, but he wasn't afraid to get aggressive and take shots down the field of Darius Lee. I haven't seen a lot of that. I don't know that's because now it's Jason Garrett calling the plays and he has no cojones and we've known that for a long time now. But Even so, Darius Slayton, with his playmaking ability, and Daniel Jones, who I'll at least give him this, isn't afraid to be aggressive, I would think he would have more shots down the field than what he has received so far. Maybe we see it against Washington, but then again, maybe not. Because the way this Giants offensive line has played, the one thing Washington does have going for them is they have a very active, aggressive, and good front seven, especially when it comes to pass rushing the quarterback. I mean, you're looking at a fancy football purposes. If you are looking for a defensive stream, I like Washington this week. Daniel Jones hasn't learned how to not fumble the football. 
I expect a couple of sack strip fumbles in this one. There's no reason not to expect that with the way Washington has been able to pressure quarterbacks pretty much all year long and heading up against a tasty matchup with Daniel Jones here. So they're actually a nice little streaming defense to keep your eyes on as well. Not something we talk about a lot uh, on this show. But Slayton, like I said, wide receiver two. He has that upside capability, even though they haven't really been taking shots on him to the field. But Golden Tate's done, and there's not supposed to be any Sterling Shepard. Evan Ingram, he falls in the same category in my mind as Hayden Hurst, where he comes in a tight end 11 for us. So yes, he is a, a, a top-end streaming option. He's still healthy. That's always going to be the caveat, I think, with Evan Ingram whenever we talk about him. He's still healthy. He's still active. They get an end around. They're trying to get him involved in the game in different ways. But he's another one who his target share has been shocking to me. The one thing about Jason Garrett is that he's always traditionally gotten the tight end involved, at least. Or a, a healthy target share, I should say. His target share has been surprising to me. It should be Darius Slade and Evan Ingram leading the way in, for this team in targets. Not Golden Tate getting six targets behind the line of scrimmage. That's, that's not what's supposed to be happening here. That's not what should be happening here. Not at this point in his career. But Evan Ingram, he's that guy. You're not going to feel good about it. But I don't know how you're going to have a better option for a lot of teams out there. Not scared of the matchup. It's not going to feel good. It's just not. Like I said, it falls in the same category as Hayden Hurst. Where it's, it's not going to feel good, but... You are one of the few tight ends who is looking at five to six opportunities per game at least. You're supposed to be involved in the red zone. You can roll the dice on. And it's really no different than a lot of the other tight ends that you're kind of kind of be looking at in the same territory anyway. So we do have him as tight end 11 this week. Let's move on because I can't even think about Washington and New York right now. Let's move on to Baltimore and Philly. Let's talk about Baltimore. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson, who I think made a comment today. He's, he's okay about not running as much. Yeah, well, your fantasy owners aren't, okay? And frankly, your Ravens offense isn't either because it hasn't looked good. At no game this season, even though they've had some blowout wins so far, at no point this season has their offense actually looked crisp, actually looked sharp, actually looked unstoppable at any point. Last year... That offense looked unstoppable, and it didn't matter who they were playing. This year, I talked about this before, they look like an offense that wants to do just enough to get out of a game with a win. And because their schedule has been so easy and so sweet for them, they've been able to play ultra-conservative offense and just letting their defense pound people and winning by double-digit points outside the Kansas City Chiefs matchup. That's the question. When you play more competitive teams, what are you going to do? Are you actually going to get aggressive? Greg Roman, are you actually going to allow your team to get into a rhythm? And when I say actually allow your team to get into a rhythm, knock off the three running back carousel nonsense. If you're up by double digit score, you want to bring Gus Edwards in the fourth quarter because you don't care if he gets hurt, fine. Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, that's your bread and butter. That's your thunder and lightning. That is where you need to take your offense to the next level. Gus Edwards getting involved in the first half does nothing but get in the way. You need to get Lamar Jackson back in the rhythm 
because he needs to be able to hit Marquise Brown down the field if you want to continue to be able to run this conservative offense underneath, this pounding offense underneath, which isn't pounding and isn't as physical as it was last year. But if you want to continue to run that against good teams, the only way you can get them to not squeeze you and put 10 guys in the box is if you can get Lamar Jackson right and get him hitting Marquise Brown over the top. That comes with practice. That comes with taking more shots. There's no reason not to. Get a little more creative. You don't, I, I appreciate the physicalness of what Greg Roman and this offense tries to do with the pieces that they have, but you need to open things up a little bit more. You need to allow Lamar Jackson to get, by nature, a little more aggressive throwing the football. It can't be conservative all the time because then he's going to be afraid to take chances when you need him to take chances. You don't have to be too tight in sets all the time. You don't have to be under center all the time. It's like they have the opposite problem with the Houston Texans where they're under shotgun too much. Mix it up. You have a lot of speed at wide receiver. You have Marquise Brown. You have Devin Duvernay. Miles Boykin's a decent, solid, big body type to throw to. Willie Sneed is a good possession receiver, a good veteran presence to have. You can go three, four wide receiver sets sometimes just to throw in a few wrinkles. None of that. And while you can't necessarily argue it from an NFL standpoint because they've only lost one game this season, from a fantasy standpoint, it's absolutely killing all of us. Because outside of Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, who's really been that great fantasy-wise? That includes Lamar Jackson. He hasn't been good for your fantasy teams. If he's not going to pick up and run the way he is, or if he's not going to be aggressive against bad teams the way he has not been, well, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what the matchup is. You actually need him to play against better teams in order to have hopes that they're going to allow Lamar Jackson to be a little bit more unleashed in order to win that game. That's what you have to hope for now. If you see the Cincinnati Bengals on the schedule, you almost have to be like, do I even play Lamar? Because the good matchups... They don't do too much against them. It's the oddest thing in the world. So they're playing the Philadelphia Eagles this week. All in all, probably, I mean, I guess you could make the case that the Cleveland Browns haven't lost any games since the Baltimore Ravens, but the Cleveland Browns didn't look like the Cleveland Browns that we've been seeing as of late in that week one. So I kind of throw away that week one matchup. So I would say, all in all, the Eagles are probably the most competitive team outside the Chiefs they've played so far. It's not saying a lot. But they could have guys like Alshon Jeffrey back. They could have guys like Deshaun Jackson back. And we'll talk in a second on their side of the ball what that might mean from a fantasy standpoint. But from a Ravens standpoint, what do you expect to see? Well, Lamar Jackson might actually have to be a little bit more aggressive. Darius Slay is going through the concussion protocol. He may not play this game. If he doesn't play this game, Marquise Brown, I feel very good about having his opportunities. In fact... Counting on Darius Slay not playing this week, we have Marquise Brown at wide receiver 12. Just on that cusp. That big play has to come at some point. That big play might come this week against the Philadelphia Eagles. So we're definitely playing Marquise Brown. Obviously, you're playing Mark Andrews. And obviously, you have to play Lamar Jackson. He still comes in a top five quarterback for us. We're going to have to see him be more aggressive. The thing going in their favor right now is Fletcher Cox is... Even if he plays, he's not 100% right now. And that goes a long way in mean, open things up for the running game. But I don't believe this offense is ever going to truly get in rhythm until they actually pick two running backs out of the three and stick with those guys. And that hasn't been the case. Mark Ingram, he's our highest-ranked running back. He comes at running back 31, meaning that if you have to play him as a flex, if you have to play him as a buy-in fill-in, fine, 
but I'm not going to feel good about it. And he's the only one I'm even going to consider because he's the only one that I feel like has the best chance to perhaps fall in the end zone at some point. It's an absolute nightmare. So let's move on the Philadelphia Eagles side of the ball. Obviously, you're not playing Carson Wentz. Obviously. Not against Baltimore. Not with that banged up offensive line. Not with the way the Eagles offense has looked in general. Miles Sanders comes in at RB18 for us. You have to play him as an RB2, even though you don't like the matchup. The good thing about Miles Sanders, he didn't like the matchup last week with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and yet he still did pretty well. He still came away with two touchdowns. He's still going to get a significant amount of volume to give you a high floor. What do you do about the wide receivers? That's the real question. I don't know if you can play any of them. If Deshaun Jackson's going to be back and Alshon Jeffrey's going to be back, which they're both, pra- both practicing, by the way, and trending in that direction, against a matchup like this with the Baltimore Ravens, where you have Travis Fulgham, you know, emerging. Greg Ward, they still want to play as the starting slot receiver for some reason. I don't think you can play any of them. They're all wide receiver fours for us this week. All of them. Maybe you take the shot. Deshaun Jackson coming in can hit a home run. But that would have to be, you, you'd have to be in a situation where you're desperate for somebody to hit a big play because of what your lineup choices are because of the bye weeks. Zach Ertz, ah, he comes at a tight end six for us just because I, just because <laughs> I don't feel good about it, but the tight end position isn't very good. We talked about that multiple times throughout this, this show, even in, in itself. Ertz has been terrible. I don't know why they're not targeting him down the field. I don't know what's going on there. But somebody in the passing attack is going to have to do something. And Zach Ertz is the only one who, at least on paper, has a mismatch when they get in the red zone. I think as long as you have Zach Ertz, you have to continue to play Zach Ertz. Because I don't know what option you're going to have out there is going to be really that much better, even though it's been awful. And I will say this, if you're the Zach Ertz owner, and hopefully you know people have moved on from Dallas Goddard because they need tight ends, and usually you're not going to hold on to a tight end it's going to miss multiple weeks, pick him up now because as soon as Dallas Goddard comes back, flip-flop those guys. Because I think that's what the Philadelphia Eagles are going to do. So let's move on. We got the Pittsburgh Steelers. We got the Cleveland Browns. We got a nice divisional matchup here. Obviously, Nick Chubb still on IR. You don't have to worry about that. Landry did not practice yesterday, but he is expected to play. He is expected to practice today. So he's expected to be available. But he's a wide receiver four for us. So for fantasy football purposes, you're not going to play him. We talked about OBJ actually earlier when the breaking news came out that he had to get sent home today because of an illness. We're going to have to watch that. As of right now, we had ranked him as if he was going to play because there wasn't you know, anything that we had to, we thought, at least, that we had to uh, worry about when it came to OBJ heading into this week. He comes in at wide receiver 21 for us this week. So he's a wide receiver two against Cleveland Browns, a team that has not been great against the pass. And I do believe Cleveland, given the nature of this matchup, is going to have to be aggressive and going to have to throw the ball down the field a little bit more than they normally would. With Landry being banged up, with the way this offensive year has gone, I think you can play OBJ as a wide receiver, too, who has a big play capability. Because actually, the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't been awesome against the pass, haven't been awesome against wide receivers, have let up some big plays. Their front seven's been aggressive, has been blitzing, that you can't run on them. But they have been letting up some plays to deep field threat wide receiver. So OBJ might be in line for a decent game this week. Having said all that about the Steelers, about not being able to run on him, Kareem Hunt is still a 
running back 14. What we saw last week is that maybe it was because he was coming off that groin injury that they didn't want to play him too much the week before. And that's why Dearness Johnson wound up with the work share that he did because last week it was 100% all cream hunt. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And in this offense, I don't care who they're playing against. Cream Hunt is a must play without Nick Chubb in there matchup proof within the confines of this offensive scheme. So he comes in, he's RB 14 for us. He comes outside that RB one territory because it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he's going to be just fine. As far as Steelers side of the ball goes, big Ben is in that streamer territory. He's at home. So that's always a plus for big Ben. He has a ton of weapons, even though he hasn't looked great. Again, Cleveland's a team that you have been able to throw on to some capacity so far this season. Big Ben comes in at QB 11 for us. So just pick your spots in your streamer territory. I'd rather have Ryan Tannehill and I would rather have Kirk Cousins in this particular week. If you're looking at streaming quarterbacks that should be available to you. James Conner comes in at RB nine. That has more to do with the volume. He has been the featured guy. He's getting passing work. He's getting the rushing work. They're only spelling him a little bit. Benny, the Benny Snell thing died quickly in week two. So as long as he's healthy, he should be the guy. The volume is why we have a number nine because the Steelers, I mean, excuse me, the Cleveland Browns have not been an easy team to run on this year. But he's getting the volume that he needs. Wide receiver situation, Deontay Johnson did not practice yesterday. We expected him back. And this is one that kind of went back and forth throughout the week. And we were, we were putting this out there at Belly Up MDFF show on Twitter throughout the whole week because Mike Tomlin had been going back and forth. As soon as that game ended, he was out right away. Deontay Johnson's going to be back next week. Then it was, eh, we'll have to see how it goes in practice. He didn't practice yesterday. And then again, he kind of come out and said, we have to see how this thing goes. So Deontay Johnson, we don't know if he's going to play. We're leaning towards he's able to get it out there because it wasn't considered a serious injury. And this is a big divisional matchup right now between these two teams. So it's going to be a very important match. I mean, they're going to push some of their guys who can play to play. So Deontay Johnson, if he plays, comes in at wide receiver 16 for us this week. He comes in as a high-end wide receiver too. When he is active and out on the field and actually is able to make it through all four quarters, because that has been a little bit of an issue this year, but we have to rank it as if you will. He has been the number one wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's not Juju Smith-Schuster. It's Deontay Johnson when it comes to the targets, when it comes to the routes. So Deontay Johnson is a must play whenever he's going to be active. Now, I know it's been frustrating because he's been getting hurt throughout the games. I get it. That's not something that has been really popped up before. But the good news is, if there is good news when it comes to his injuries, is that they were not soft tissue injuries. That's usually what I worry about with wide receivers and running backs lingering on from a week-to-week basis. Other injuries, I can have more confidence that they are going to be able to recover from and play closer to a 100% level than they normally would be able to if it was a soft tissue injury. So that's, if there's any good news with Deontay Johnson being banged up so far this year, that's the good news. It hasn't been a soft tissue issue. So if he plays, we play him as a high-end wide receiver too. 
Juju Smith-Schuster still comes in at wide receiver 25, so at low-end wide receiver 2, high-end wide receiver 3 territory. But the way they have used him in this offense so far this season, he's become touchdown or bust. And that's a real issue when you're talking about a wide receiver who's supposed to be leaning on volume, supposed to be the slot wide receiver, supposed to have a high floor. And yet he's someone who's become touchdown or bust now at this point. I think you have to play him this week, but I'm not feeling great about it moving forward. And in fact, if Judas Schuster has a big game in the next couple of weeks, he's somebody who I would look to sell high on when I have the opportunity to do so. Everybody wants to know Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool. I did talk about him in the waiver wire report. I talked about how he is worth a pickup, but not an automatic play. Because when Deontay Johnson is in the lineup, it's still Claypool and Washington splitting snaps, splitting routes, splitting playing time. That is, has to be expected to continue until we see it be different. When Deontay Johnson was out, then they still play their 11 personnel. Then everybody can be on the field. Johnson's out there. That's not the case. Should Chase Claypool at this point be playing ahead of James Washington? 100%. But I think if you've been playing fantasy football for any length of time, you've been following the NFL for any length of time, you'll know that the coaching staff does not always make the logical choice when it comes to playing their personnel and what their playing time is. Doesn't always happen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. So we cannot count on the logical, rational thought definitely playing itself out this week, allowing Chase Claypool to play ahead of James Washington. We can't, we can't, we can't expect it. We can't hang our hat on it. Therefore, Claypool comes in as a wide receiver for, with of course, upside this week but not somebody that I think you should be plugging in your lineups. You should have better options to go to until we see him actually overtake James Washington on the field. He just has to be treated as somebody who's a hit or boomer bust threat as a wide receiver for, unless Deontay Johnson's out. And then it's a totally different story. Then you can go ahead and play chase Claypool as a boomer bust wide receiver three who definitely belongs in your lineup. That's the difference there. That's what we're waiting on. Eric Ebron is a top streaming tight end. He comes in tight end seven for us this week. He has been getting more and more involved as the weeks have gone on, regardless of what's going on with the wide receiver situation, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Eric Ebron is somebody you can pick up and play and get at least what should be a decent floor out of. We're going to take one last quick break, come back on the other side. We have a few more games to get to, and then we get the mailbag segment before we wrap up the show. So we'll be right back with you guys after this. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Uh, welcome back, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And as always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network for Android or on iOS, WWSRN. That's the best way to listen or watch live. Of course, we're available to you on your favorite streaming apps after the show is done presented to you by belly up sports. So we got two more games to talk about in the early window for week six. And then we have a mailbag segment before we go ahead and wrap up the show. Remember if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, or if you ever have a fantasy question, comment, dilemma, whatever the case may be for you, you can always hit us up on social media at belly up MDFS show for Twitter or for Facebook at any time. We'll always be there for you. So one of the last two games we want to talk about is Chicago and Carolina. On the Chicago side of the ball, there's two guys that I'm interested. Well, actually, I take that back. There's three guys I'm interested in playing from a fantasy football standpoint. One, David Montgomery. 
don't feel great about it. I don't think anybody ever feels great about having to play David Montgomery, frankly, but he is getting the volume. He had the receptions last week. That's the big thing about Montgomery was that he didn't have much of a floor if he didn't score when Tariq Cohen was out there. But now that he's gone and Cordell Patterson is just a guy, really, that they can kind of go to to spell David Montgomery, but not a guy that are leaning on to be the quote-unquote pass-catching type of back. David Montgomery had six catches or six targets last week. As long as that continues to be the case moving forward, he's going to have a decent floor. And in this matchup against the Carolina Panthers, he's got a good shot to score. I don't know if he's ever going to be efficient, but this is the matchup in which you got to play him. And this is the week that you got to play him with the heavy buy. So he comes in at RB15 for us as a running back two against the Carolina Panthers. Allen Robinson, obviously you're playing him. He's wide receiver nine, coming in as a wide receiver one for us in the top 10. With Nick Foles playing, as long as that continues to be the case, Allen Robinson has pretty much looked at double-digit targets ever since Nick Foles has come into the ballgame. They're not going back to Mitchell Trubisky anytime soon, barring an injury, I would think, at this point. So Allen Robinson continues to be a high-volume, high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one, no matter the week, no matter the matchup. Jimmy Graham, he has to be a top-end streaming tight end. He has to be, because he's being getting targeted in the, in the end zone on a consistent basis from a week to week since Nick Foles has come into the lineup, and that's more than I can say for a lot of tight ends out there right now in the similar streaming territory, which is a high-end tight end to a low-end tight end one. Jimmy Graham comes in at tight end 14 for us in a half-point PPR league. Are you going to feel good about it? No, but how many tight ends do you feel good about when you have to stream them? Hardly ever. So he does have to come into that territory given his role in the red zone for this offense. So we switch things around. We go to Carolina Panthers. We go to Teddy Bridgewater. Not one of our top streamers this week. Chicago, surprisingly, because I don't really love their secondary, but surprisingly have been pretty stingy against fantasy quarterbacks so far. Now, some of it's due to circumstance. Like last week, that Thursday night game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I thought them holding Tom Brady in check was more to do to them really not having any healthy wide receivers than it had to do with the Chicago defense. But they have been pretty stingy against quarterbacks. So Teddy Bridgewater is not somebody we'd be going out there to stream. He comes in at the quarterback 19 for us, but he's been very solid. He's been a guy you can lean on and they're going to have more matchups with that offense that he will be able to be played more times than not as a low end QB one, but just particularly not this week. Mike Davis continues to be a high end RB two, low end RB one with no Christian McCaffrey. We'll keep you up to date next week as this thing moves forward exactly when they expect Christian McCaffrey to come back, but it ain't going to be this week. So Mike Davis, fire him up. He comes in RB13 for us on the week. Wide receivers, at this point, I felt like I was probably one of the first ones to, to talk about this, about Robbie Anderson being their number one receiver this week, being the more valuable fantasy football wide receiver over DJ Moore. It does seem like at this point, everyone has finally come around because the evidence is just smacking you in the face every single week. Anderson's getting like double digit targets every week. It's absolutely insane. He's not just a deep threat wide receiver. He's being utilized as a possession type who has big play capability. He comes in at wide receiver 15 for us in this matchup. I don't know anybody can argue that DJ Moore wide receiver 35. So a low end wide receiver three, a low end flex play for us this week. Don't really love the matchup against Chicago bears. And I don't love the fact that he hasn't really had much of a target share. I told you guys after last week that DJ Moore should be somebody that you're selling high on right now after he had a 93-yard touchdown performance last week because I think that might be one of the few big games that he has throughout the year given his 
hype status around his name that a lot of people still buy into. And then he finally had a good game last week where some people were saying, well, maybe this is the turnaround now for DJ Moore for the rest of the season. Take advantage of that and put him and put him out there on the trading block and see what you can get back in return for him. You get a wide receiver two for him. Great. I have to hit the breaking news sounder one more time. Breaking news. Melvin Gordon is back at practice today. That just came through. Before you go crazy, it's still not set in stone. That means he's definitely going to play on Sunday. There's still a lot to unpack what the Denver Broncos want to do, what the NFL wants to do. Now, this definitely opens up the door more so than we thought we were going to have that Melvin Gordon might have a chance to come back, but this doesn't secure it. So make sure you're following us on social media at Bailey MDFF show. We'll keep you up to date on that. But Melvin Gordon is back at the facility is back at practice today coming off of that DUI. So we'll have to see what that means heading in to Sunday. We move on to the last game that we're talking about in the early window of the week, six matchups of the Detroit lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Matthew Stafford has to be a streaming option comes in a QB 13 for us. All quarterbacks have been doing very well against Jacksonville Jaguars, as long as your name's not Phillip Rivers. Adrian Peterson, I talked about him in the waiver wire port. He's somebody you could go ahead and pick up. This should be his backfield as far as the carries are concerned. I am a little bit curious as to what they're going to do coming out of the bye with DeAndre Swift. Are they going to give him the opportunity now coming out of the bye moving forward to get more involved in that aspect because he's clearly the future of that backfield? Or are they going to stick with Adrian Peterson, you're our carry guy, and uh, DeAndre Swift, you're just our pass-catching guy, and are they going to continue with that? As of right now, the assumption has to be that Adrian Peterson is going to get the bulk of the carries, and against the Jacksonville Jaguars, that means he's going to have a potential for touchdown and potential for a decent game overall. So if you're scrounging around the waiver wire, you're looking for somebody to plug and play in your running back two spot, Adrian Peterson is somebody that could fall into that line. He comes in at RB21 for us on the week. Obviously, you're playing Kenny Galladay. That goes without saying. He should be in line for a decent game in this one as he's been working his way back from that hamstring injury. We expect him to be closer to 100% at this point than he has at any other point during the year. And it's a great matchup. Marvin Jones. You can't play Marvin Jones. You can't trust Marvin Jones. He hasn't looked like himself, but I am going to have my eye on him in this game coming out of the bye. Are they able to get him right? Is he able to start looking a little bit better? He's always been a little bit streaky. Is that has that just been the case for the first few uh, weeks of the season? He's somebody who should have touchdown potential within this offense. It's going to be worth keeping an eye on him after this game to see, is he somebody that you can pick up and plug and play in the flex, plug and play as a buy and fill in? Uh, in the upcoming weeks, if he's able to get back to looking decent in a great match against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But you can't trust to play him or pick him up just yet. But I will have my eye on this situation. TJ Hawkinson, because he's been a guy who's been regularly targeted in the end zone, he comes in at tight end five for us this week. Again, not great, heavy bye week. But again, somebody who actually can, can say he's consistently been targeted in the red zone. And that's what you're looking for at your tight end right now. TJ Hawkinson, tight end five this week for us. Gardner Minshew comes just outside that top end streaming territory for us this week. He comes in at QB 16, obviously plus matchup against the Detroit lions here in this one, but I don't necessarily trust him. If DJ Chark cannot go and DJ Chark did not practice yesterday. He looks very questionable heading into this week. We're going to have to watch what he does throughout the practice week to determine whether or not he can play. If he does play, obviously you start Chark and then Gardner Minshew can get knocked up a couple of spots and be in that more top end streaming territory. But for now, 
kind of in that mid tier and really wouldn't love it. If Chark doesn't play, it's kind of like the Julio Jones, Matt Ryan situation, where even if the matchup is great on paper, I don't necessarily want to trust it. If he doesn't have his top weapon to be able to go to James Robinson, obviously must play comes in as a top five running back for us this week against Detroit lions. I don't think anybody can argue with that. And everybody understands why LaVisca Chanel is also banged up dealing with the hamstring issue that he says he's been playing through this entire time, but this is the first time that we've heard of it. This is the first time he's missing practice over it. So it's definitely something you have to watch. And with DJ Hart coming out, he's somebody a lot of people want to pick up and play. Keelan Cole could wind up being the last man standing as a result of that. We do have him at wide receiver 33 and he could move up if both Chark and Chanel were to miss as a high end wide receiver three, who's going to get a lot of volume in a good match against Detroit Lions. So something to kind of keep your eyes on there. Obviously, we had to move that pretty quick because we are running low on time. And I do have these mailbag questions that I want to get to right here, right now. But I want to let you guys know that today's mailbag segment is brought to you by Manscaped. If you want the best performance for your nether regions, Manscaped is the place for you. They have all the ball care that you could ever need, like high-quality trimmers for unwanted hair or ball toner that will leave you smelling fresh all day long. Just go to manscaped.com and use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off of your purchase. Your balls will Thank you. I got three questions to get through here for the mailbag segment. The first one up, Aaron McTavish. Love the name, by the way. Trade, should I trade Devontae Adams and Chris Carson for Alvin Kamara and OBJ? And I thought it was a very interesting question because you're in a position here where Alvin Kamara very well may finish the year as the RB1. And whenever you have a chance to get the RB1, you want to take that chance. But I said to him this week, he's sitting there. He gave me the full download of where his situation is. He's two and three. He has a lot of guys on by. And when I look at this, you have Chris Carson on by, you have Alvin Kamara on by. So Kamara's not going to help you this week, which means the guy who offered you this deal might be willing to do this deal next week because this wasn't a move that was really going to help him out too much this week other than the upgrade from OBJ to Devontae Adams. That's really all it is. So my advice to you, McTavish, would be go to this guy, ask him, hey, do you want to do this deal next week? If he wants to do the deal next week, I would say 100% yes. Otherwise, you're in a position where you could put yourself at risk to fall two and four because you much rather have Adams than OBJ heading into this matchup. And if it's a dire need where you're two and three, it's a big moment to get back to 500. It's a big moment to get you know your wide receivers there. I know Alvin Kamara getting him is tempting for down the road. But if you can get this deal next week, which I think this is a trade that could be on the table next week, that's when I would do it. But for this week, I think you're in too much of a pivotal situation to say yes. And Chris Carson has been very good in his own right as well. And I think the gap between Adams and OBJ is more significant than the gap between Alvin Kamara and Chris Carson so far at this point. So that's why I would wait a week if you can get the deal done then. Next up, we got Benny. He asked me, Tyler Higby or Mike Isecki rest of the season in a half-point PPR league? I think from a floor standpoint, it has to be Mike Isicki. He's actually more involved in the offense right now. He's getting more targets on a per-game average. He's still very, very inconsistent. Uh, But Tyler Higby is somebody that, while he's on the field all the time, he has become touchdown or bust. So that's where I would would lean towards Mike Isicki, but it is close. It's in the same general range. And last but not least, we have Mike. He asked Hopkins and Jacobs for McCaffrey and Metcalf in a trade, in a redraft league. This one's close. Because you have Hopkins and Jacobs, you have McCaffrey and Metcalf, a chance to get McCaffrey down the road. The problem here is you're about to go through massive bye weeks. McCaffrey still might be two to possibly three weeks away from actually being able to return. Metcalf has been awesome, but so has Hopkins. 
those are pretty much even players right now, in my opinion. The difference is, is Josh Jacobs, who's on by this week, is he is the gap between him and Christian McCaffrey when he returns significant enough to do this deal, even though you might have to wait two to three more weeks before McCaffrey can come back. Now, this deal is completely contingent on where you're at in your record. If you have a sub-500 record, I think you can't do this deal because you can't wait for McCaffrey to come back. You have to be keeping yourself in the race now. If you are three and two, if you are four and one, then I think you can do this deal because you can afford to wait those two weeks of Christian McCaffrey. But Josh Jacobs has been so good. He's been so involved. He's been scoring touchdowns at such a high rate so far this season that I think I would stay pat on this trade. Like I said, if you're sub 500 and I believe in this situation that he was. So if you're four and one, I pull the trigger on it because I can wait a couple of weeks to get Christian McCaffrey moving forward and you're not losing much between DeAndre Hopkins and DK Metcalf, in my opinion. The, the greater improvement here is McCaffrey to Josh Jacobs. But it's not so significant that if I'm sub 500 right now that I'm doing that deal. I'm just not. So that would be my advice to you guys out there. We will have an extensive mailbag segment tomorrow because we don't have as many games to go over in the late week six preview matchups. That will be tomorrow from 12 to 1.30 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. Make sure you go on your Android app or iOS, the best way to listen or watch live or download us on iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you like to go for your streaming apps. We will be available shortly after this show concludes. Make sure you're following us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow for those player news update notifications. And you guys are checking us out all throughout the weekend. Go to BellyUpFantasySports.com for those rankings that will be getting updated all the way through Sunday morning. Everyone, take care. Stay safe. Find something fun to do on your Thursday night. I know we don't have football, but make sure you stay tuned for us tomorrow from 12 to 1.30 right here, right now. And we'll get you all set up for your week six matchups. A pivotal week six of that. Everyone, take care, and we'll see you again next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 